Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's our 53rd episode. This is another special episode because I'm joined by a good friend of ours, Chris Howard. Um, people might recognise Chris, well, you know him more as Chris the Coast Walker. We had Chris on our podcast back in July last year, just before he's setting out on his 11,000 mile trip around the coast of Britain. So welcome, Chris, back to the GPS Training Podcast. Hey, John, thank you for having me back. Um, a little bit sooner because actually if people are watching us you're sat at home which was kind of a little bit early unless you've managed to walk around britain in 142 days which i suspect you didn't that would have been very good going so yeah why are you sat back at home um rather than walking around the coast of britain yeah sadly i um i've been affected finally by the coronavirus as well as everybody else, you know. It's just one of those things. I made it all the way to Northwest Wales. I got to Aberystwyth, and um, which is actually a good thing. I got there, and um, I checked into a hotel for the first time in, I don't know, four or five weeks. My wife booked me a Premier Inn because my friend was coming down on the 23rd to walk with, uh, sorry, 21st of December, to walk with me for a few days. And that was the following day. And then... Um, she booked it for me and for him and I hadn't told my family but I was going to come home with him on the 23rd and surprise them for Christmas just for a few days and then straight back to Wales and carry on however I checked into the Premier Inn it was about half past four and was I this think. on the 19th of December was this so you checked yeah, in the right. night that Wales closed down that's right so <laughs> I, I checked in about half past four and obviously, you know, it's been weeks since I've been have had a shower or anything. So I just took all my kit off, threw my bag down, I jumped in the shower. My wife texted me as I was jumping in, saying, "Just there's an announcement being made. Can you put the TV on just so that you you see the announcement?" And of course, it got to five o'clock. I was in the shower and I could hear it in the room. And uh, I jumped out of the shower, dried myself off, and it got to the end of the announcement. And there must have been a clip which was less than five seconds, and it said, "And from tonight, Wales will go into lockdown from midnight." I then had, yeah, six hours to get out of Wales. And um, thankfully, Aberystwyth is the only mainline train station in that part of Wales. However, that in itself is a bit of a weird one because it's only got one platform. It's only big enough for two carriages. And uh, I had the shortest hotel stay I've ever had. I'm glad I got a shower, but I literally got dressed again, stuffed everything in my bag ran down to the desk, checked out, ran to the train station. And as I got to the um, ticket booth, there's no ticket office, there's just a machine. So I had to pay through the machine. And, and I couldn't go to London because I wouldn't get to London until after midnight, which means I would have been stuck in London. So I had to figure out a route quickly and go to Shrewsbury and then from Shrewsbury to Birmingham, then from Birmingham down to Cambridge. And I got my ticket. And as I got the ticket out, hundreds of people came around the corner <laughs> obviously all with the same problem as me and then I knew it was a bit more serious I managed to get home anyway and my children and my wife were very happy I don't think they're as happy that I'm still here nearly three months on <laughs> um, but it is what it is and I plan to carry on as soon as I'm allowed I thought I'd just be here for a few weeks I honestly thought that um, 
but obviously the situation, as everybody knows, it got a lot more serious very, very quickly. So you'd, you'd uh, walked 142 days at this point. You'd been out for 142 days. How many miles had you covered um, by the by the 19th of December when everything went pear-shaped? I, I haven't worked it out exactly, but I'm close to 4,000. Okay. Right. So still pretty good going. Very good going. That's really good going. Right. Okay. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. So we know where we are now. We know why we're talking to you um, at home rather than actually walking around the coast of Britain. So you've done 142 days, approximately 4,000 miles, but it all started back in July. So if people haven't listened to the podcast back July, you go back and we'll have, you can listen to the pre-chat. But Chris started walking from Norfolk, which is where you near where you live. Um, yeah. What date did you start in July? Do you remember or not? It was very close to the end. I think twenty eighth or 29th of July. Something okay. Like that. So you started from home end of July, and you aimed to walk around the coast of Britain in one year. Remember rightly, wasn't it? That was my aim to finish in a year. So, how many miles did you end up covering day by day? What was you? What were you aiming to cover, and what did you eventually achieve in, in this hundred and forty two days to date? So I managed to average a marathon a day. Um, some days I, w- I was able to do upwards of 30, so 30, 32, 33. And then I did a very long day, which is the longest day I've ever done. And I, I don't really want to repeat it, but I did a 40 miler. And um, I, I just, uh, I, I really needed some days off after that. But the problem is I haven't had days off. Like a lot of people approach it and they'll walk for a week and then take two days off or they'll, you know, go for three weeks and then take a week off or whatever. I've just consecutively walked a marathon every single day for that 142 days. So you, you've, how many days off? You must have had a day or two off, didn't you, over that 142 days? The yeah. only day off was going to be the day between me checking into the hotel and my mate coming, and that was going to be my rest period. <laughs> I only hope, Chris, I hope your wife paid the premium premier in fee so you can get your money back, did she? No, <laughs> <so how we didn't... laughs> Thankfully, she got our money back. Oh, um, and and she was doing that whilst I was trying to figure out how to get home and what the hell I was going to do, you know. But it, it kind of all worked out in the end. Your um, only day off in a luxury hotel, and well, in a Premier Inn hotel, and uh, suddenly you had to bail out. It's just typical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I guess the compensation is that I've been able to spend the whole period recently with my children doing homeschooling and, and really being present with them and um, engaged with them again, which is it's been fantastic. Um, you know, other hotels are available as well. It's not just Premier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you won't be saying a Premier when you see the price they are post-lockdown. I don't know if you've... I've, some of you spend a lot of time in Premier in hotels. Oh, uh, I've had to downgrade because I'm not paying over £100 to stay in a Premier in, <laughs> yeah, I guarantee yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so 26 miles a day, 32 miles a day, consistently day after day. So I saw a number of days you were really testing yourself, a physical side of things. So actually you had some days where you didn't eat all day and you didn't... Drink. Why were you doing this? Is this just a moment of insanity? I know you've kind of got a bit of sadistic yeah, well, nature it to of, you. <laughs> it kind of went back to that previous podcast we had that, that in the beginning, that chat. And I think you asked me a question about, you know, how are you going to adapt in different places? going to be more remote and things like that. And in my head, I looked at my route and where I started and I planned that each next stage was kind of training for the one ahead. Um, so... You know, North Coast, Norfolk is really flat. Then getting down to Kent and along to Dover and stuff, it's a bit hilly, but that's going to train me for the Jurassic Coast. And then further down into Cornwall, that's all going to train me to get into Wales. And then 
in theory, Wales would have trained me into getting in Scotland and, and a bit in the lakes. Um, and that kind of was the theory. But um, I also thought the further into Scotland I get, the more northwestern areas, Cape Wrath, that kind of area, they're going to be really lean days at some point. You know, they're so remote. I don't know if I'm going to be able to restock supplies. I'm going to have to forage more. Um, I'm going to have to get my body used to taking on very little, but still expending a lot. So, um, yeah, I decided to document some real test, test days where I just I went without water, without food completely. And the discipline alone to just not give in to that feeling of just a sip of water would be all right. Um, just just pushing yourself hard. It was mentally training as well as that kind of physical side. And was it easier than you thought it was going to be? Or, or is it, as he says, it just mental training? Once you've got your head around it and you focus on it, it's it, you just get on with it, is it? It is a bit like anything you do. If you, if you can really engage mentally, you, you can really discipline yourself and just get through it. But, you know, I've got a lot of respect for people that fast. And I don't, I've never really dieted in my life. It's not something I've ever needed or wanted to do. But those people that go on fast, 24-hour famines or longer, I, it's quite a profound feeling to forego what is your normal option of food and, and intake of water to then suddenly you've got just the bare minimum at the end of the day and you really, really appreciate it. You know, and it doesn't matter what it is. Either mm-hmm. that food is just fuel, but you really enjoy it, even if it's bland as anything, because your body is just craving Mm-hmm. nutrients and craving that kind of recompense so what did you eat at the end of the day so when you when you hadn't ate or drank anything a day was did you treat yourself or was it just your normal rations at the end of it because it's <clears throat> the end of that day i got to a place um somewhere near fairing i can't remember now but um there was thankfully a shop uh, there's not much else because that part of the coast there it's kind of uninhabited uh, but there was like a, it was like a spa or a premier shop or one stop or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, very limited in terms of its supply, but there was uh, a fridge with, you know, um, drinks and stuff. So I managed to get a pint of milk, which bizarrely I just guzzled. It was like a really, yeah, invigorating fresh pint of milk. Um, I got some orange juice. I meant, uh, <laughs> I think it's the first time I had some chocolate in weeks or months they got one of those um they marvelous millions bars or something they've got like little bits of smarty in and little bits of turkish delight and also it's amazing uh, but yeah and some proper carbs as well like i had and did you feel your body just come back into life that's right did you feel literally over literally half an hour suddenly you kind of you, you the sugar rush the whole energy coming back into it. it's amazing what food does and and how when your body's oh, so low how how it just revitalizes you doesn't it really yeah yeah absolutely and i'm not a big chocolate or sweet kind of fan anyway but the thing that my body craves most is fruit juice and fruit and that natural fresh kind of product and that's that's a bizarre thing in itself because at home here like and before i it's not something that we have regularly in it's not something that i go out to get it's so it's just, it's a very quick way of getting those nutrients and sugars into you. So it's natural sugars, isn't it? That's what you're craving when you're, when, but I suppose if you've been walking all yeah. day long and you've not drank or ate anything, that's what your body's wanting, isn't it? Immediate rush and it's getting that from the natural natural juices. That's it, yeah, yeah. And and I think the other thing I learned is um, quickly, try not to overeat too quickly, don't gorge because suddenly 
you're going to have this crash and it's just going to make you feel bloated and lethargic. And of course, I've still got to walk again the next day, no matter what test I'm giving myself, I've, I've still got to go and, and keep going. Um, so, yeah. It, so yeah, that's kind of maybe teaching you that actually when people are walking long distance, we should be eating little and often rather than actually eating your two or three meals a day or even worse as you would do. I know you're doing it for a different reason, fasting and then gorging at the end of it. No, we should be eating, you know, six, uh, uh, well, is this what you were finding? You no, know, eating six, seven times a day rather than eating you know, your three staple meals as such? Yeah, so I regularly would um, would find that I, I could completely forego food if needed if i if i had a target in mind that i needed to get to and then um, i just needed to push on then i could sacrifice the food till later but and i think that's interesting people don't realize what their bodies are capable of you've got a lot of fat reserve whether you're skinny average size whatever you, you have fat reserves whether you know know it or like it or not um your body works in a certain way and it will use up all of those reserves before it kills you off you know um so you are capable of doing a lot without a lot of calories. But what I was finding is that I didn't want, often people would offer me things like fry ups in the morning, like cafes would get hold of my story and say, Oh, come here, we'll do a photo outside and you can have fry up. And it's not that I'm not grateful. It's totally amazing, but it's not the thing you need to walk on. Yeah. It just makes you feel heavy and lethargic. So I'd be regularly eating, you know, I'd be walking along and as long as I could eat it whilst walking, that was key as well. So things like dried mango, um, perfect because lightweight in the bag uh just i put a small hand-sized portion of nuts or raisins that's once a day and it just kept going like that you know mm-hmm. um very few snack bars um i had a sponsor who produced snack bars and this is another sad fact of the pandemic but they've kind of gone bust uh, well they haven't gone bust they've been bought out which is good for them yeah but they never wanted that yeah and so but i and so i always had one of these little um, it's not even Mars bar size. They're quite, quite, you know, sort of like, I guess like that size, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really dense protein calories and then all natural stuff. So it's good. Um, but yeah, regular and often there's no, it's not, um, you can't just sort of sit there for lunch for an hour mm-hmm. and then. Uh, and have a massive meal and then expect to go again but i said if you're walking as you wear no over 26 miles a day you need to keep going at it it's not something you you need to kind of it's, as you say you can't keep stopping so you're stopping every t- 10 minutes every hour you're suddenly putting on an extra two hours onto your day well you don't need that do yeah. you? you need to keep going at it don't you really that's right and especially like going into winter and even you know right up to when I finished, or when I ended in Aberystwyth, my days were much, much shorter than when I started. Yeah, you know, e- even waking up at five in the morning, still, it wasn't making a difference. So I'm waking up in the dark, cold, wet most of the time, setting my tent down, clearing my gear away, getting dressed and going. And I, the last thing I'd want to do is sit there and boil up a cup of tea and have a bit of food. I just want to get going. And if I could do that by having some nuts or some dried oats or something, great, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you, and then by kind of four o'clock, you're looking for somewhere to set up again because you you can't you can't keep walking. Exactly right. So, going back to those early days when you first started walking this distance day after day, you did have a few leg problems, didn't you? Do you know your body? took a, a fair bit of just know we had a bit of correspondence uh, via facebook messenger or something like that because you 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 had leg problems was this really right at the start wasn't it, i think yeah do you know i knew this would come up <laughs> <laughs> i remember you talking about it and asking why why am i not taking poles and should you be taking them and is that something you're going to learn and then <laughs> so yeah in the first few days i 
I um, exacerbated a previous running injury in my left knee. And I actually thought at the end of those first few days that was going to be game over. I thought, and in my head, I just kept thinking, it can't be. If people know that I'm doing this. I can't just back out after a few days. So I pushed on and I, and I think on the third night, I'd taken something like four painkillers up, ibuprofen and paracetamol, gloves, loads of water. I put some stuff on my knee, nothing was changing. And I thought to myself, just purely from water intake alone, I can't continue to keep taking painkillers this way. I've been taking them all day. I've taken them the day before. If I'm going to be taking them tomorrow, it's going to start affecting my kidneys. I, I don't know where I'm next filling my water up, for example. So I've really got to be conscious of what I'm doing. And so I decided um, I'd be able to keep going if I could manage the pain and start getting the legs stronger. And what I noticed is every night I would set up in my tent, I'd lie down on my back. I always tend to sleep on my back anyway. But your body has these natural mechanisms to do things you don't necessarily want it to do. So like, you know, imagine my feet uh, down in front of me like that. Well, my legs do that naturally. I think most people do. And what that was doing on my left leg is it was twisting the tendon towards my knee and putting pressure on it. So I, I needed to find a way of keeping my foot upright like that all night and keeping it stabilized. And so I ended up for about two weeks strapping my leg to my backpack in the night just to keep it stabilized. And that sounds really weird. And, you know, I was thinking if a farmer had come along and found me and sort of chased me off the land, it would have looked really odd with me hobbling along with my backpack tied to my leg. So I call um, pogoing, is that sure? My age used to pogo in the, <laughs> the early Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um, after a few weeks of doing that, things started to get a bit better. And then I, I then enhanced that by strapping it. Um, I picked up one of those neoprene type straps for the knee and... Um, I basically wore that every day since week two. But by the end of week four, week five, maybe, I had very little pain. And then I tested it a few days without the strap. I could notice a dull ache after that. And I thought, right, let's keep the strap on. And I just kept being disciplined with my stretching and kept being disciplined with stabilizing that leg. And even now I'm conscious of it. It doesn't hurt, there's no lasting damage but I'm conscious that the body is, it will just do things you don't want it to do. So you've got to be thinking about your form and, and how you sit, you know. But did that leg get better? Because you did lose weight. I'm not, you, you, you weren't big, but you did lose weight over those. You only lost a stone, is that right? Did you lose more than yeah, a stone? Yeah, I think I've only lost a stone, really. I'm, a, I'm amazed at that. I thought you would lose, you no know, far more than that, really. But, and has that made life easier for walking, losing that stone, or not really? It hasn't really affected me because, as, as you say, I, I, I wasn't a big guy particularly anyway. I'm, I'm stocky and my legs are probably where all the weight is generally. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I would say is that in the beginning where it was so warm in the summer, um, I, you know, your backpack strap, the, the hip belt, yeah. that rubbed continuously to the point where I just had raw skin on my hips. And, um, uh, you know... It, it was a couple of things. Probably I was carrying that little bit of extra weight there, but also the moisture and it being hot all the time and then strapping back up again the same day or, you know, keep going like that and it's just repetitive. But the skin kind of toughened and got harder. I kept them clean and that was fine. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, now I've put on a little bit of weight since coming home because we had Christmas and all the chocolates and things and Easter's coming up. But I haven't put on a lot more weight. I'm not back to what I was when I left. So I just wondered that and, helped your leg. I'm still walking yeah. and running every day, you know. Exactly right. Yeah, I just wondered that would help your leg really because losing that weight would take that extra pressure off. You no, know, but again, little, yeah, yeah. It would, it would. But I still never used poles, you see. Mm. <laughs> so I tell you that North Coast of Cornwall and the South West Coast Park in total without poles, I probably wouldn't advise anybody do it without poles. So. Well, when I meet you in the uh, in the Lake District, Chris, I'm going to loan you some quality poles, and I'll walk with you, and you can see how it improves your walking technique. And I, I honestly, I, I'm 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 amazed that you've walked that distance. I'm I'm absolutely dumbstruck, actually, that you've that you've yeah, because I, I I'm amazed how much how much make it quicker it makes me walk, and how much more I don't know upright you don't fall over you don't stumble especially when you're tired and things like that so. sure yeah, yeah it's funny because a lot of people that have come out to walk with me or met me in certain places and come to walk they've had great big backpacks mm. and poles and all sorts of them and uh, and they look at me and my backpack's relatively small i've just gone up a size now but and i don't have poles or anything and they're like how are you walking so fast because it's all i've been doing yeah. for a hundred odd days yeah. but there's nothing else in my life it's yeah that's brilliant right best walking so far which is the best section of coastline that you've covered so far so people don't know you're walking clockwise so from um as, as you've already kind of described the route so far so you can come down across the bottom round land's end and then back up well, back up you kind of skirt quite a bit inland again and then back round into wales so which is the out of the uh the fourteen thousand miles that you've done so far four thousand miles sorry that you've done so far um what's the best bit of walking um yeah, it is all lovely, and I know people want to pin me down on that, and it's really hard. I don't want to upset any particular area. I'm going to come to the, wor the worst one next, Chris, so we'll upset the people next. We want the okay, best okay. one to start off with, and we'll come but, to the worst okay. I think the thing is, um, partly because I'd never been there, but also because it is so naturally stunning, it, I just cannot get over and can't get out of my mind how amazing Pembrokeshire is. Right. Um, it is just it's out of this world like it's like being on a different planet sometimes um yeah beautiful so pembrokeshire coastal path is the one to walk the oh, least definitely. favorite section of coastline to date um part of it's also in wales the Carmarthenshire side before you when you go up the estuaries sort of to kidwelly and ferry side and stuff it's interesting but i, I think when i was there the weather was particularly bad i think it had 20 days of solid rain that in that section and i'm sure it's pretty when it's not raining but i just i didn't even want to pay attention to the view at that point mm -hmm. but i'll blame that on the rain alone the worst section for me is parts of kent actually um and it's kind of inner city parts where you come back out towards the estuary and go through sittingbourne and places like that and i'm very familiar with those areas because i grew up there um i've got friends and family around that area all the way from sort of Gravesend round and down towards Whistable and Tankerton and stuff. That section is nice, but the the bit towards that, it, yeah, it it's really it takes a bit of getting used to because you are back on normal roads and it's not just a road alongside the coast or the estuary. It's a road that's going through a middle of a town that backs onto an industrial estate and it goes down paths that are very rarely used. So you end up it's almost like you're hacking away with a machete to get through brambles, you know. Um, 
so yeah, I think that section of the Kent coast is it's not as much fun. Saxon Shore Way, they call it. Right. Okay. Okay. The nine things you have learnt about you, your body, and your mind. So I've got three things. So I'm going to do three you, three you, your body, and three your mind. So three things you've learnt about you over the last, well, over the 142 days to date that you have walked. What have you learned that you've learned about you? And because you've done this before, Chris, because I've, I've spoken to you before. You're a thinker. You're not somebody who's just walked every day listening to the GPS train podcast. I would advise that for people. But you've, <laughs> I know myself, when you spend a lot of time on your own walking, you've got a lot of time to think. So you've thought of this. So come on, you've, you've, you've been ready for these answers, ready for these interviews. So three things you've learned about yourself over the distance to date. I have learned about myself that I am capable of being far more patient than I am in modern, normal life. So patience um, is that you've got patience that you didn't know you had before. You've learned that patience comes, yeah. Absolutely, and I think from that comes tolerance and all sorts of crazy good benefits, you know. But I'm not just patient with other people. I'm patient with myself and less harsh to quickly criticise myself. Um, so, I, yeah. I'm more patient with my own understanding and learning, okay. I think. That's that's one you. Next you is. Next me is. I, it, it is the physical thing. I am very, very capable physically. And I've started to think that, you know, when I set out, I said I'm, I'm just an ordinary human. And I am. But what's amazed me is how capable we are as human beings. And it's given me a real understanding of what I'm capable of on very, very little. But I suppose that also ties into the last thing, which is your mind, because actually that a lot of that is physical, because actually with the greatest respect of enemies walked 100 days solidly, physically you're going to be up to it, whether you started off not in that state or not, but actually it's the mindset that you've managed to build up, which you yeah. always had, to be honest, ever since I spoke to you, you're not just, you've always had that mindset of, I'm going to do this, and actually I'm not going to fail at it, but, but, that's, but I suppose that's maybe got stronger so you've talked about your patience you've talked about the physical side of you that you've learned about it what's the third physical thing that you've learned about yourself um i think the other thing i've learned about myself is that i naturally should be and perhaps we should all be in an environment where there's less noise and chatter in daily life i function much better as a human being and and as a person and I mean, as a dad, as a husband, everything in life, I function much better when I'm out on the path because I'm the best version of me. I'm calm, I'm patient, I'm all those things, but apply those to my children and my wife and our relationships are so much better. And even when, though we're apart, when we are then together, everything is much more emphasised and heightened and, and more, yeah. So by you remove that clutter from your life, the day-to-day -day rubbish that is yeah. totally you don't need you prove that because you've been away for so long you don't need that day-to-day -day rubbish actually therefore you yeah you you're a better person for not being distracted by that yeah rubbish absolutely and i know that's difficult for a lot of people to understand because you know you need to go to work you need to earn money you need to provide a house you need to feed them the right food and clothes and this that but all of that builds up and builds up and it just becomes this great big pressure pot in your head and i get that you know, I felt that, and out there, that doesn't exist. So you're allowed to be free again, and mm. I think that's it. Very good. Right, what three things have you learned about your body, your body 
over those 142 days today? What three things have you learned about your body? I definitely have learned that my body will do what my mind tells it to do. Uh, and that comes um, down to pain management as well. You know, my leg is a prime example. So many people I spoke to, friends, um, other people that I've met, contacts that were keeping in touch with me said, you need to take a few days. You need to go and see a physio, if not a doctor, blah, blah, blah. But I knew in my head, if I'd gone to see a physio or a doctor, they'd say, you need a few weeks off or you need to stop this now. or what. That was never an option in my head. So keeping going and having a focus is something you need up here for this to follow. You know, otherwise... I think you are in danger of just giving up. It's just amazing when you say it's actually, it's amazing what your body or anybody's body can do. do you know, you say this, though, when you, you're, you've you slept for a month with your leg bound to your other leg to keep it straight, as you say, anybody twists their ankle or falls over, right, I'm going to sit with my, my I'm going to sit and put my feet up on the sofa and have a, a week off work to recover from it. Because that wasn't an option, you worked through it. And actually it just shows your body recovered when you were still giving it the same um, chips, poor word, but the same work that it was doing, it broke in the first place. Yeah, um, and this is the interesting thing for me. So I, I have actually started writing a book, um, not just about my journey and the experience, but it's sort of based around the evolution of walking and what it can do for us, what it has done for thousands of years for us. Um, I don't think people realise how important it is to walk. And I, I hope the lockdown has made people get out there a bit more i know it has but you know it's one thing to walk five miles around your house or whatever or, or around the area you live in go and walk a 50 mile stint or go and walk for six days in a row or whatever carrying your pack you'll suddenly feel completely different you'll feel more energized your body will be clear i had a friend come out and walk with me for three weeks who's always had sinus problems suddenly no sinus problems he's gotten he's not clearing his nose four or five times a day in the morning he's totally clear he's not snoring where he used to have what like they call sleep apnea mm -hmm. waking himself up because he snores that loud you know all gone just from being out in the fresh air and in the open and walking every day he lost a bit of weight sure that's going to have a benefit and that's going to impact it but this just goes to show isn't it what do we value you know that's right. That's exactly right. How did you find walking with someone then after you've been walking on your own? Did you find that hard or? Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. I, um, it, was, it was tough because you become this um, disciplined, focused, routine driven thing that just is totally connected and immersed in the world around them. And it is your world. You know, that's it. Then somebody else comes into it screaming and kicking and punching like a newborn baby and brings that clutter um, back into your life as well like you've managed yeah, to distract actually yeah. comes with this small talk of clutter which with the greatest respect you've you've stopped and, and disassociated yourself with that and they come back with the, the the small chalk of the you know the the bbc news notifications and this kind of thing i'm not interested because actually i just yeah. want to walk and enjoy the scenery that's that's exactly right and it took him a little while to sort of get his head around the fact that don't need to be looking at our phones or next notifications. You're here, not away. You're away from work and that world. This is this is all in front of us. Mm -hmm. We should be immersed in it and enjoying it, you know, and appreciating it. But in the end, it was a really great experience. I've never spent that amount of time consecutively with him. And I think we, we're stronger friends because of it. I think he learned a lot too. And I certainly learned that um, yeah, as part of probably that patience that I, <laughs> I've learned as well. 
Good. Uh, and that's nobody's fault. It's just it, it is the, the way it was, you know. Good. So going back to your body, so it, your body will do what your mind wants it to do. Anything else you've learned about your body? Yeah, um, I think you can be as strong or as fit as you like. You can go to the gym and pump as much stuff as you want and get those muscles to look pretty. But the truth is your body will do more than you think anyway. And I don't think it's often very good that you just go and train certain muscles to look good. I think the body should just be an average. And I guarantee you, someone walking the way I'm walking their legs are probably stronger than someone that's in the gym doing quad curls or whatever they're called or squats every single day um, because they're capable of going the distance and, and your muscles rely on the things going through them. Yeah, I, I'm just so surprised by how strong and resilient it is. Yeah, fantastic. And your third and final thing that you've learned about your body over the distance or anything else that you've learned about your body and then we're going to move on to your mind. So I think you're very much body related. This kind of links to that last bit, but um, I'm surprised at how quick it is to adapt, you know, just um, in, in every respect. I mean, I wear um, glasses for reading and watching TV just like you. Um, I always have pretty much. When I'm walking, I don't wear glasses. And in fact, whilst I was on my walk, the only time I put glasses on was when I got on the train from Aberystwyth to come home and my eyesight seems to have improved and now i've since done some research with spectators about um how walking can impact your sight and it's actually proven it reduces chances of cataracts does improve long distance sight that's an incredible feat for the body to to do on its own it's, it's improved eyesight just from walking you know my heart rate is far lower coming home from the walk than it ever has been when i've been running regularly mm-hmm. that's insane mm-hmm. um yeah it just it, it's an it's amazing that, thing the body it is that yeah that, but yeah it's that general well-being your overall fitness even compared to your your overall fitness must be 10 times greater than it's ever been in the last I few think so. years anyway I, I think so and so i think the key um that on the last point about the body is that really for me where i've always thought you've got to be strong in the leg you've got to have strong arms and you've got to do that because of different disciplines like rowing and rugby you know you need those strengths what i really learned is actually the key is to be strong and supple you don't have to be overly large you don't have to be overly strong you just have to be fit and a bit flexible and you'll get through anything that's right brilliant and then the final things on um, the nine things you've learned about your body, your mind, and you is your mind. So what three things have you learned about your mind um, over the walk so far? I've learned about my mind a few probably varying things. One, I want to say, is about not always thinking of the situation or yourself too seriously. I think having the ability to switch from, oh my God, this is a catastrophe, like this is an insane thing that's about to happen to, okay, but let's do something else or let's try this. You know, there's regular times when I've fallen off the coast path or had some accidents and fallen over or whatever. There's one in um, Cornwall, I fell off the path completely because it gave way from underneath me. <laughs> and then, um, 
I had I grabbed onto a uh, like a gauze push that was the only thing I could reach to grab and and then of course I had hundreds of these tiny spines and spikes in my hand my arm and um it started throbbing because well that's what would happen but um yeah and I just I, if I sort of in my head I thought what am I doing my family would never have known if if I hadn't been able to grab onto that gauze brush, where would I be now? Like, yeah. what, what, what's, there's the serious side to this, and there is. But when I calmed down, I looked back at it, and I looked back along where I'd come from and seen how far I was going and where I was going to. And, this. and I just remembered that most people don't get to experience this. And, you know, I'm learning stuff here, and I'm able to use this stuff mentally to persevere, and I'm able to be positive about it. So maybe I should just laugh, laugh it off and carry on and and in the end that became a revelation because just being able to look back at a dangerous situation and say was all right wasn't that bad but i think sometimes you need to be in that awkward dangerous bad situation whether it's mentally or physically and then when you move back into your normal life or or normal back to walking actually that suddenly becomes easier because actually you're not falling off the cliff because <laughs> actually, yeah. so you have to have the trauma in your life to kind of come back into it, um, to yeah. have the the and then realize actually what you thought was hard work or traumatic actually is not traumatic because actually I've been somewhere which is a far worse place, which potentially you've fallen off a cliff and that nobody would ever find you for weeks on end. So exactly. So you 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 then build on that strength, thinking that actually what I'm doing now is actually quite easy, really, because I'm not at the bottom of a cliff struggling and potentially dying or yeah can't get much worse than dying can you? And, and i think it's a bit like you know soldiers and police officers and paramedics go through that kind of whole thing where they decent if they've got a dark sense of humor because they desensitize themselves to, to yeah. what they go through on a daily basis you know um yeah so so any any well other two things on your mind um was isolation a good thing being on your own was that a good thing because again does that help your mental state or does that do you tear yourself to pieces in that state? Yeah, that's a strange one because um, it's weird. I like my own company and I still quite like my own company. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for some people, I probably wouldn't recommend the isolation. It's really tough. And some days it gets very, very lonely. But, you know... <sighs> The mind is so strong. I found myself when I was approaching towns on seaside areas where, or coastal areas that had big, bigger towns or a small population. As soon as I saw people again, I had to remind myself to stop talking to myself and that social etiquette still exists because your mind is that powerful. It's not even a conscious thing. It will just keep you reassured by going into this automatic chatter or, and it'd be just about nothing, you know, but it's really powerful. Did you miss sharing your thoughts and experiences with other people verbally? Um, I'm, I missed, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's a regret, but one thing I um, I do I think about that is that I, I um, wish I'd been able to see a lot of this with my wife because I talk to her about it now and she's very excited to hear about it. And, you know, she's um, still very supportive and everything, but, there are bits of that I know that she, not just that she would love, but that I would have loved seeing her love, if you know what I mean. And yeah, there's a lot of those experiences that I miss missed that opportunity with. And, and did you think that when you were walking with it, I would love to be sharing? What's what's your wife's name? Sorry, 
Abigail. Abigail. Did you, a lot of time you think, I would love to be sharing this, Abigail. I wish Abigail could be experienced this with me. I wish Abigail could be experienced in this, this viewpoint or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'd always try and take a photo of that particular place and I'd send that through to her at the end of the day or whenever I could, you know. But, um... <laughs> Anything else finally for your mind that you've learned to, um, over the distance and time on your own, really? Has it so been beneficial the... Overall, for for your mind or your yeah, for your mind has been beneficial. Oh yeah, like I, it's weird. I think you have to. I now think you have to train your mind and practice with it the way you train your body to do something. You know, it it's such a powerful tool and uh, it's capable of amazing things. Uh, but also, just removing myself from the situation I'd been. And having that freedom to be present and mindful of the things around me, it's not only opened up lots of doors and different opportunities, but it's unlocked a load of potential for me up here. And it's made me see things completely anew, you know. I totally agree with you. Do you know, somebody does walking is for me personally, the, the mindset of that long distance walk is is the key thing. So as you rightly say, the physical side of thing frankly there's not much you can do about it because actually if your leg breaks or if, you, if your leg that's that's you that's you you know yeah over time you physically build up, but that mindset is just it is that you know being in the zone just being focused on achieving this and actually mm-hmm. breaking it down as well isn't it because actually you sit down at the start saying i'm going to walk um this eleven thousand miles around the coast actually it's, it's not it's not a manageable thought actually it's it's gonna think on this is it's not ridiculous, but you kind of sit there going, but actually you break it down, right, today I'm going to do this mileage, today I'm going to push myself and do 30 miles or whatever. You have yeah. to, for your mind, otherwise you get overwhelmed with, with with things, don't you? Yeah, I think though, John, you know, you are a walker and you're, you, you're used to using GPS and things like that as well. And so you know, like setting a challenge like that, it, 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 it feels less ridiculous because you're you, but a lot of people I've met have turned around and said, "Why are you going to do that? What? What do you mean? No." <laughs> it's it's funny. I don't know. I, I, you I, you've been doing other things, but um, my, my good friend of mine interviewed me on my own podcast um, this year because I did a I did a long walk. If people don't know, they, they will know because I listened to the podcast. I did a, a sixty-two mile walk in twenty-two and a half hours. And my friend Paul, who interviewed me, met me at five o'clock on the first day, and he says, "John, I've never seen you so much in the zone." Because I was just like, right, I'm here. I'm click, 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 click. And actually, he said, you know what? There's no point in me being there. Because actually, do you know what? You, you weren't even aware I was there. And I wasn't aware. I was aware I wanted my tea. I wanted to have 15 minutes. I was going to get on and go walking again. And, and yeah. it's that mindset about you don't, the bigger picture, which was like 62 miles, is, is just overwhelming. But actually, do you know what? 13 miles, 26 miles, 13 miles, 26 miles, 30 miles, 26 miles. Actually, you know what? It's achievable. I feel like I've got another 30 miles and I get a snack. I've got another 30 miles and I have my meal or whatever. Yeah. And, and that, that that mindset is totally... And I was the same. I, I didn't want someone telling me what was going on at whatever. I didn't really care. I just wanted to walk my 13 miles, really. And how, how did you feel at the end of your walk, John? Because I remember you telling me you were going to do mm. it. I'm gonna yeah. Um, this is um, it's not really about me this, but I'll I'll take it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I felt yeah 
I'm going to do 126 miles this year. So that's uh, yeah, in two yeah, days. Yeah. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try good. and do it in two days. Uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, amazing. To, as you, that's why I mentioned talk to you is going through those periods where low points and high points. You know, there's points where I, I thought this is not going to happen. I, I, I'm struggling at this point. I, I yeah. saw how I, I, I started off well with my diet. I, it, 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 I, I then stopped eating because I was just tired. I stopped drinking because I was tired. Um, lived solely on the adrenaline. The adrenaline then stopped. Um, I felt physically sick. I then ate, <laughs> put my head down for an hour and felt better and, and, and felt really quite physically. I felt very, very good about it. Um, but it, yeah, but I, I, did, I did very well. I, I was very ahead of where I needed to be. So actually, I we I, I had aimed to do it in 24 hours and I... I I was well ahead. No, I I was well averaging over three miles an hour, and and with my poles, I may add. And yeah, it, and I kind of I, yeah. Once I got over that, no, I've done twenty six miles. I'm ahead of myself. I, I I've thoroughly relaxed. Those first thirteen twenty six miles were quite hard. Of like, am I going to get? Am I going to do this? Because a few friends had tried the same thing and failed. Um, yeah. But again, going back to your mindset, is it completely changes your mindset. Like, yeah. therefore, it's we're Thursday. Well, is it Thursday? It's Thursday. I'm going for a walk on Saturday. A quiet walk for me is now 20 miles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, if people watch our series of GPS, I do a walk and talk series. I go and do a 17, 18, 19, 20 mile walk on a Saturday because actually that's what I do. I, 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 you do have to be a bit careful, though, because in my experience now, um, it's become an isolating thing because nobody wants to walk with me anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I had two friends who walked for a section with me, and I didn't walk with them. They walked on the, they walked and talked, and I walked behind them. And I, yeah. didn't want to talk to them really because actually I was doing my walk. So, because, <laughs> so it is an isolating thing. I think that's a fundamental thing. But actually, you, you as a person doing the distance need the isolation because you need that mindset to concentrate right. you need to control it. your your your, your treat my treat for me is i'll listen to a podcast at two o'clock in the morning i'll work towards that and listen to my podcasts you know my treat mm -hmm. is that hot cup of tea at four o'clock in the morning whatever that's that's what i'm aiming towards i don't really care what's going on around me yeah, and it's those small things that become massively appreciative of isn't it like, yeah it's and it's those simple yeah, it's just simple things that you're back to basics, aren't you? What's the basics? It's no, you to eat, you to drink, you to go to the loo, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you need in this world? <laughs> well, that's it. I could quite easily, happily live out on the coast path. Yeah. Just, I'll just keep going. I think. <laughs> that's, it's just going back to those basics, and yeah, I think it's quite fundamental, really. So, anyway, moving back to the. the <laughs> So I know on the trip, a, a number of people help you out. You talked about the person who offered you a cooked breakfast and this kind of thing. So tell me some of those stories about people who kind of spontaneously you met or or yeah. have helped you. Or I think I read on one of your Facebook posts, was it a local book club or something that took you in? That's <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All extreme, Amazing. really, wasn't it? The Brightling Sea Booklets. Um, there was this all-female group of... Uh, yeah, women that um that have a book club in Brightlingsea, and uh, oh, it's amazing because um and there's you know there's so many stories like this. Let's let's this do this. Let's do the three 
acts of random kindness that you can remember. So it's sort of like, let's think the, the best three acts of random kindness that have you've appreciated over those 146 days of walking. So in third place, Chris, is... Uh, or do you want to start at number one? I suppose it's easy to start at number one, is it? Is it? Probably easy to start at number one. Number um, one I'm going to go with Brightling Tea and the booklets because it one random act of kindness snowballed into a bigger thing, like a whole night of amazing good stuff. So I arrived in Brightling Sea. I don't know anybody in Brightling Sea. And you have to get um, a foot ferry from Point Clear, which is um, just after St. Osif in Essex, near Jaywick Sands. And it's literally a three-minute ferry over to Brightling Sea. Because you can't walk it at all. And uh, I'd never been, didn't know what to expect. I stepped off the boat, got a message from a lady called Tammy, Tammy Saunders, who's still in touch with me now. She's amazing. And um, she had been affected by meningitis and she, really badly. Um, but um, she wanted to help. She had an empty chalet cabin type thing and said, you can use it tonight, totally fine. I said, that's amazing. I met her and uh, she came on her scooter thing. And we were chatting away and she said, what are you doing? It's amazing, blah, blah, blah. We had a really good chat and we got on very, very well. And I, I think because she'd been through a big trauma and I'd been very isolated, we had this very instant connection. And it was the best conversation I'd had the whole walk because we were very open and honest, just like that. And it clicked very, very nicely. And, it, and I, I think she will be a lifelong friend for me um but not only did she give me this use of this chalet for the night which meant i could have a bath it was amazing um she uh, said that they normally meet this group this book group normally meet to read a book at one of the huts on the beach the beach huts uh, they all have one but they alternate between whichever's and um they didn't have an author to come and speak to them because of covid and would i be interested in coming to meet them all uh, and i said oh yeah sure and they said and it turns out actually it's normally their night to go swimming so they go swimming off the jetty and wow. and i thought okay yeah all right that sounds cool so i dumped in my gear and then we met up there and they had tea and cake and stuff and we were swimming and it's a, it's a beautiful place brighton is here it's one of those shocking gems in the middle of essex that's like how did I know this never existed, you know? Um, and so that quickly went on to the women talking to me and chatting about different things. And it was all amazing. And that not only did they donate and follow me all on social media or whatever, within maybe half an hour of meeting them, they had contacted several local pubs, bakeries and restaurants and managed to get me fed, watered and supplied and treated like royalty for the night it was amazing um not only that when i got to the restaurant where i was going the manager or the lady that owned it came out and spoke to me and she said um, would you mind if the chef came out and talked to you i said no not at all it's fine he was the youngest head chef in essex i think and um he grew up in care and ch children in need had paid for a lot of his wow. catering qualifications so it really came back round full circle and it was just the most incredible experience mm -hmm. and um and we're still in touch as well quite humbling really i think i can see that in your face really, really, really kind of just something just escalates and suddenly you kind of go wow this is just 
the pinnacle again meeting the chef and thing was just been the icing on the end of a great couple of days well a great day really wasn't it? yeah yeah absolutely incredible um and yeah i'm very lucky to have met them all and um to experience them and and knowing that they're actually quite close to where i live i know that i'm going to go back there and visit them at some point fantastic so that's number one number two the random rats of kindness number two is this is awesome for me like and it's made me feel great but the random act of kindness has come from my influence and it's somebody else that's done it and that is what's amazing so i was on this walk and i also part of a rowing club back home i'm on the committee and i'm a coach at a rowing club here i think i told you that before but um there was a junior committee member her name was zara and um she just turned 18 i was already on my walk and um, I'd been in touch with her about different things. She does a lot of social media stuff, and she was working on an internship for this company. She was supposed to go on a gap year, and then COVID happened. Of course, she'd paid to do all of that, but couldn't go. And the plan was that she was going to go on the gap year and then come back and go to university after that, whatever. Um, but all her friends went off to university, and then she was stuck here, not on her gap year, but with nothing to do living with her mum and her sister and I think it was getting her down quite a bit and um, we were chatting away and uh, I said well come out for a walk with me and um, she sort of I could tell she you know she's a young girl she had a lot of self-doubt and um, but she's a really nice person I've spoken to her mum and I said look she can come out for a walk with me for a few days and what I'll do is I'll give you our route and our locations and I'll tell you where we're going to be staying both nights and I'll book places so that you don't feel anything's you know weird or whatever <laughs> so my mum was appreciative of that i think and they, they came and met me in north cornwall a place called crackington haven and to be fair she hadn't anticipated and i hadn't really anticipated but it was going to be the toughest two days in north Cornwall. you know the ascents and stuff were just unreal and um, within the first couple of hours she had to stop and have a little word with herself. So we had a little chat on the bench and had some water and I said, look, let's get this kit off you. Take your bum bag off, put it in your bag, um, get this underlayer off, put, take your scarf off and stand there just because you're going to get hot and stuff. So this will be the plan from now on. We'll do it this way and we'll just go steady. We're not going to you know, push it or anything. And I think she was just a bit upset with herself. Anyway, it all turned out fine and she did brilliantly. And I think in the two days... We did push him 40 miles, and I know I normally would do more, but I had someone with me, you know. And I think that's pretty impressive for a girl that's not done this sort of thing before. And then, so she goes home, and I carry on walking. And then a few weeks later, I get a message to see if I'm all right. And she says, So, so I was thinking I might, um, I want to do something that I, I'm thinking about going, like quitting my internship. I said, Okay, well, that's. That's probably a positive thing because the way they treat you and stuff. So yeah, um, I'm thinking of going to volunteer in a hospital in Uganda. Wow! And I was like, really? She said, yeah. I, I just think I could do with a bit more adventure, and I, I want to do it. And her mum has been texting me saying she would never have done this. Wow, would never have done this mm -hmm. if it wasn't for coming out with you and boosting her confidence. And, and so that made me feel amazing. Mm -hmm. But even more amazing for her yeah, yeah. and now she's out there and uh, she's sending me photos Fantastic. and videos of her time and, that, and that's just brilliant yeah, and that yeah, random yeah. act mm -hmm. of kindness mm -hmm. of her 
to be so selfless and go out and, and help help in a hospital is just that's just amazing i think that kind of sums up everything that you're doing really is actually and we've discussed this a lot is actually by doing something that's completely outside your comfort zone everything then becomes achievable doesn't it and i think that's what she saw she was actually in this in this wormhole of this is going everything i have a great time i'm stuck here nothing's happening so suddenly like wow i can do this and actually a 40 mile no consecutive 220 mile is, is, is a hell of achievement over quite hard terrain as you rightly say suddenly why can't i go and do what i can do i'm not i can do anything sure yeah 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 exactly um yeah totally amazed yeah excellent so and your third act of random kindness that you've experienced so really you've you've experienced yeah the second one was you giving to somebody else so the first one was you kind of taking but both and then the third one is going to be what what's your third act of random kindness that you received or give i think my third act of random kindness i mean there's been loads but this one because i'm going to see this person again and even that is amazing but um i the day i left plymouth to head towards cornwall i um i got a message from a guy saying i've been following you for a while uh i'm on holiday in Lou, which is pretty much the first port of call from Plymouth in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was kind of aiming to get to. And I said, oh, well, right. Uh, thanks for following me. That's really nice. He said, I just thought that would be it, you know? And he said, oh, I'd really like to meet with you and walk with you for a day, if you wouldn't mind. Said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Not a problem. You know, it's quite nice every now and again to have someone with you for a day, a bit of banter and a chat and whatever. Anyway, he bought loads of food with him and um, drinks and stuff for both of us, which was kind enough. But um, why did he, he walked to? I can't remember the place he walked. Uh, Paul with me, and we sat and he bought me a pint in the uh, Blue Peter pub, and then he said, um, "Well, I can't go much further today because I can only get a bus from here back to where I'm staying." But um, where are you headed to? And I was like, well, ideally, I'd like to get to at least 40. Um, and, I, so I, and, I, and he said, that's fine. You go to 40, and I'll come and pick you up in 40. And then I'll drop you back there tomorrow. You can stay with us, me and my wife. And I was like, but you're on holiday. I can't do that. This is your time away. That's, that's really kind. But, you know, that, it's fine. It's your time. And he said, no. Nope. I'm picking up at Foy and he took me back to their place and then fed me and everything, washed my clothes and stuff and just gave me a shower and everything. And I just thought, you know, loads of people, it's easy for people that own a bakery or a sandwich shop to say, oh, here's a bit of food. But he's taken time out of his holidays, one holiday of the year with his wife, to let me crash for the night and entertain me. And I just thought it was an amazing thing. And so he lives up just past Blackpool. And um, I'm heading that way, obviously. So I'll be coming to see him. And he said, uh, he'll put us up there and, and everything as long as restrictions allow and stuff. Fantastic. That's good. That's brilliant. That's good three random acts of random kindness, you know. Okay. One walking tip that you'd pass on to any of our listeners, stroke watchers who are watching us on YouTube. There's one walking tip that you could pass on to anybody who walks for two miles or 200 miles. What would that one tip be? Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. Just go. 
Um, doesn't matter if it's two miles or 20 miles or 50 miles, whatever. Don't overthink it. You'll just in, just enjoy it and you'll get there. It will be fine. You know, you're designed to do it. It's, um, it's something we've lost connection with and lost touch with properly. But, you know, for thousands of years, we've walked much, much further than we ever do now. Um, and the option is so easy not to walk now because you get in your car or you can get on your bike or, you know, get on a train or a bus or get on those weird hoverboard type things I keep seeing uh, <laughs> or electric scooters now that that's the thing in my city since I've come home <laughs> you know like a pay for it's got like it must be on an app yeah and you can hire it from one part of the city and you just scoot it's just we've found so many ways not to naturally exercise <laughs> it's not good for us I think just go for a walk and don't think about it exactly right so just just do whatever you want to do don't overthink it don't over plan it but just do it yeah just yeah, do it definitely excellent you should work in our office you know because you could motivate them all you know <laughs> i once had this i've never mentioned this podcast i was once interviewed on another podcast and um it was a more a business podcast and uh they actually they led it by something i wrote we have big whiteboards in our office um with, with our objectives and our targets and things and one month a few years ago, I just had enough of it all. I just had enough. So I wrote up of the top, just effing do it. <laughs> so with a big explanation mark, because I was fed up of excuses and fed up of like, we could do this, we could do this. I just wrote the top. Your motto for this month is just effing do it. So yeah. Well, you're right, though, because we all make excuses about yeah. nothing, don't we? And we all wait for things to be perfect when nothing's ever going to be perfect. You know, it's never going to be the right weather. As yeah. you found, you walk 20 days, you look at the weather forecast, put it in your diary, just do it. So you know what? You yeah. might not know how to use your GPS unit, but you learn when you do it. You might not know how to X, Y, Z. Just learn as you do it. And then you get to the end and go, actually, next time I might do it a little bit different rather than over planning it. Um, yeah, just just do it, isn't it? Okay, moving on. What top tip or what piece of kit would you recommend? What's a piece of kit that if I said, I, if I'm going to take this off you, you go, no, 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 you're not going to take this off me. What piece of kit would you hate <laughs> me to take off you before you continue on with your walk? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think you're wearing the Rab Nexus hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, right yeah, it's well spotted. And I've got one, and I absolutely love it. I've, it is so lightweight and warm, it's incredible. Um, I don't know if it's my favourite bit of kit, but for value for money, and to have it and feel... Because, you know, good kit, we all we can be kit geeks or whatever, but we all love a good bit of kit. And the truth is, that kit, if it's really good, it performs well. It gives you a sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. And... And that is what that Rab Nexus hoodie does for me. I've got the pullover and I've got the hoodie, and I only wear the hoodie when I'm walking. And um, I just love it. It's absolutely brilliant. I would be pretty upset if someone tried to take it away from me. <sighs> However, I recently got the Garmin I, Instinct, Instinct Solar. Solar. Do you know, I noticed that I nearly commented earlier on, is that an Instinct Solar on your wrist? That's a bit nerdy, isn't it, it is, really? Yeah. But uh, the Garmin, was this a Christmas present, or was this something that you got... Do you know, I've been sent loads of stuff since being at home in lockdown, just randomly by mm -hmm. people that have been following me. So a guy sent me this just because he's not using it. And it was a present to him and he didn't want to see it go to waste. So he said, if it's beneficial, take it. So of course, I'll take it. Great. Um, <laughs> and then a guy last week sent me the Osprey Ether 70 
backpack, which is what I said earlier, I'm, I'm upgrading that to a, that size, which is, is amazing because they're like uh, nearly 250 quid, mm-hmm. you know. And he just said again, like, I've used it twice, but I'm not using it, so you might as well take it and get get some use out of it. It's really kind. But yeah, this um, is amazing. To get a watch that's going to last me 25, 30 days or whatever without having to be recharged. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've tested that recently. The battery life is immense. And as long as you actually have it out in the sun every day, it's incredible. And the capability is it's got so many different functions to it. I do love it. Yeah. Have, you, have you learned how to use it yet or not? Are you, uh, I haven't learned a single thing about how to use it yet. I know it's got storm alerts, it's got navigation and tracking, it's got all sorts of stuff. Well, when, you come off, when, I, when I come off the podcast, I'll email you some free access to our online training course. And there are, I think there's 40 videos of how to use the Garmin Instinct GPS units. So if you've got time to kill, Chris, you can uh, di- divulge yourself into there. And uh, again, my colleague Andy did all the training videos for the Instinct. And he... To be honest with you, he had a Phoenix. People who know the podcast will know the story. He had a Phoenix, and when we gave him the instinct to do the training videos, he fell so much love into his, his uh, instinct, he sold his Phoenix and uh, ended up with an instinct GPS watch instead. So he, he's, ah. uh, so that's the story. And, and, and the instinct is quite funny because then the instinct that people see in the online resource was sat in our office. My son, who's now in his early 20s, it was a couple of years ago, he saw it in the office. He said, that's really nice. That can I, can I wear it? And I went, yeah, of course you can. It's just it was actually Garmin's watch. Uh, and I had to prize off his wrist about a month later to return it back to Garmin because he's going, this is so cool. And I went, okay, can I have it back, please, Harry? He went, no, 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 I want this. <laughs> <laughs> they are cool, though. I mean, I think they're really rugged but they're so light as yeah. well uh, you know i don't feel like it, it looks massive but it's it's not a heavy yeah. weight on my wrist it's yeah lovely bit very good excellent so you uh, give me three well actually you've flowed onto the well no you so your three-piece of kit is your rab top. That's because you're modelling yourself and I'm wearing it. You've got the Osprey rucksack, which somebody else gave you, and then your, your Phoenix um, Instinct. No, so your Instinct Solar Watch is... is, is uh... Yeah. Okay. One navigational tip that you would give anybody when walking... I suppose it's kind of easy for you, really. You just keep the C on your left, do you, really? Is that it? <laughs> but... It is, although I've been giving talks on navigation and various other things to scout groups and guide groups while I've been at home in lockdown, um, just as a way of kind of keep the fundraising momentum going and stuff like that. And one thing that I notice when they're looking at maps and when they're telling me about how they would do things is they rarely look up. And I, I would probably say one of the best tips, it doesn't matter how good a map reader you are, you've got to keep looking up ahead. Because if you don't, how can you relate and translate the ground to the map and vice versa? You know, there are reason there are contour lines, for example, because a map is flat, but actually it's telling you that the terrain is 3D. And you, if you look up, you'll see just where you are on the map. You know, it's much, much easier and quicker if you can do that. And that's the same for using a GPS or whatever. I, did, I saw your video recently of the... The new car that looks amazing, by the way. Which one's this? And the Montana Seven Hundred was it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the Montana Seven Hundred. Yeah, screen on that, it's just great. It's phenomenal. It is. It's a good piece of kit. It is. So yeah, it's a. It's a. I, I'm. I've fallen in love with the Montana Seven Hundred actually since uh, since oh, I've yeah. been walking with it. I think it's a, it's a great piece of kit. So uh, I'm out with another one this weekend, but. It's going to be hard. It's like it's like having a relationship with somebody. I don't want to have a relationship when I like the Montana <laughs> Seven Hundred. Isn't it really? It's kind of. 
everybody on YouTube says, John, do a review on this. And they're going, oh, this is like taking, no, I don't want to. I want to just go out with the Montana. But nope, I'm going to be professional and pick up what the customers are asking me to pick up and do a review yeah. on it. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, there's some great kit around now. Children in need. I'm, I'm, before we head on to when you're going back out, children in need is that you're raising money. I must say, we saw you on Children in Need Night on the television. I was sat down with my glass of wine. I must say we're teetotal now. We're in lockdown. We don't drink during life. But at the time, we weren't in lockdown. I sat down with my glass of wine on a Friday night and uh, watching Children in Need and went, there's Chris. Hey, hey. <laughs> so, yeah. you all of about three seconds. <laughs> I was impressed. I just recorded it and framed it. So, yeah, you end up on Children in Need. How much have you raised so far? Um I think you've completely bamboozled what you were aiming to do. I think you had one big sponsor came along and doubled it overnight, didn't you? I think uh, they did. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Bam Clothing have been amazing, and they've been really supportive ever since. Actually, they're just and they're a great company. Um, every now and again, I will just get a text from them saying, "Hope you're doing all right." And, and that, there's there's no requirement. For mm, me. You mm-hmm. know, they're just a, a lovely, lovely company. But. Um, yeah, so I am just shy of twenty-three thousand pound now. I think. Wow. Okay. And what were you aiming originally? And I, can't I mean, remember like the figure. What was your original objective? So I set my target at ten thousand pounds. Okay. And for various reasons, one, I had to stick something in the box. Mm-hmm. But two, I, I don't know a lot about social media. I was never confident that I'd be able to get much attention because I, I'm doing everything myself whilst I'm walking, and the last thing I want to do at night is in my tent, try and send out press releases or whatever. Um, but, you know, the whole thing has evolved from me just starting a Facebook page and having an Instagram and a YouTube and a Twitter thing, which I still don't know how to use any of them. But it's evolved further in that, I, you know, my website's become more of a blog and I'm writing all about my experiences and other things. And people are noticing that more and putting that out. And people contacted me because of that and suddenly want to donate or want me to do things. I've given talks to scout groups, like I've said, to, and I do those for free. Um, and if they want to give a donation, they can. But recently I've been giving talks to businesses and companies about motivation and perseverance, and they're, they're donating like a fee almost, um, which is awesome. It's a totally different direction that my I'd intended for this part of my life to have. But um, that in itself is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, so the whole thing has just evolved from me deciding I wanted to go for a bit of a walk to this great big snowballing. And you say you're not really you've you've done so much on social media. You no, know, we all appreciate it. You no, know, we followed you. I I actually sat down night before last and said to my wife, I'm spend a spend a couple of hours. I'm speaking to Chris on Thursday. I did spend a couple of hours just trawling through his gear, and uh, yeah. there's so much stuff. You know, I just kind of went. Oh, where do you start, Chris? Man, it's like there's yeah. so much content on your Facebook page and your social media. It's just like, oh my, okay, right. There's, there's, so you have, and you can see that develop over the time as well. You know, the first few the YouTubes, you're like, <laughs> but then you get better. You got better and better at it, which is is practice. Yeah. So uh, I think, and 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 you show quite a, a, a nice insight into that that world, and and. And I think you've learned not to overthink it because you you can overthink things. Yeah. <laughs> so. And also, I think I've learned to not take myself so seriously and just try and enjoy it a bit because yeah. the truth is it's not a big, you know, I, I'm not some corporate advertiser. I'm not some product that people have invested millions of pounds in and I'm worried about the return on investment or whatever. I'm just out there 
doing what I can to raise money for a charity. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's lovely that people are following me. I never expected to get as many followers as I have, and I think that's still growing. Mm-hmm. And, but it's just amazing, isn't it? The power of this stuff. I mean, I, I've walked all over the world and, I, and done lots of different things. And when I've been traveling in the past, I remember traveling in India and Thailand, for example, I didn't have a mobile phone, let alone access to 3G or 4G internet. It just didn't exist. So now it's like, can you imagine if I had documented my rowing the Atlantic via social media? It, it would have been insane, but it just couldn't happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's fascinating. And all from a, a phone you just have in your hand or however you're doing it. It's like, it's, it's just this one device which you sit there going, you know, it's just it's mind-blowing really it's just mind-blowing but the technology you have in there that you could do a live stream or however you you want to do it it's just there in your pocket isn't it yeah and in all the time i've been walking i've had i had four consecutive days without signal but that's it right wow Hmm. but they were good four days as well they've been enjoyable days those without the mobile phone signal was it (laughs) they were great the only problem with it was that my wife was worried because obviously she didn't know if something had happened to me or mm-hmm. where I was. But I'd, I'd anticipated at certain points there might be comms blackouts type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd said just, you know, we had a procedure. So it wasn't quite ready for her to sort of ring the authorities or rescue people. So it was fine. <laughs> Fantastic. And when are you hoping to head out again? Then what's the time scale of... Um, of, of... Now we've kind of got Wales getting the lockdown out this last week, I think, haven't they? And we kind of know where we stand in England. Have you got a date penciled in the diary? Yeah, so my date is the 12th of April. Um, I'll be leaving home on the 12th, um, which is good because it means I get to spend the Easter half term with the kids as well. They get used to going back to school and then I'm away again. And they're kind of, they've got it in their heads that that's what's happening now. Um, But it also means I get to spend my birthday with them and my wife before I go. Um, My ideal is to head straight back to Aberystwyth. However, if Wales keeps saying no to tourists from England, I will go further north in England somewhere. And what I'm likely to do is reverse. So I'll go, I'll head back to Wales. So I've done that section. And then what I'll do is I'll drive or get a train or get someone to give me a lift back to where I started from. So I'm thinking of starting sort of Blackpool or Fleetwood area. Yeah. Right, okay, that's just logical. It's just the Welsh can't make their mind up of what they're doing, can they, really, at this moment? Yeah, it's such so. a shame as well, because do you know what? It, it's such a vast country, and there's so few people in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, it was uh, going back to your, 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 your escape from Wales. That was such an exciting night, your life social media as you were leaving oh. Wales. It was like, uh, it was this kind of... Um, yeah, I remember it well. It was a Saturday night. It was wet and horrible here, and uh, and um, yeah, it was like Chris was escaping uh, Wales because the whole thing was like the whole country was just changing that night, wasn't it? And it was like oh, it just yeah. went mad like that. I remember getting out of the hotel, and, and I, I I knew where the train station was in my head because I'd sort of made a mental note of it earlier in the day. And uh, the weird thing was, I got out of the hotel, you know. I'm rushing to the train station, but the streets went mad. There were people everywhere. They were obviously panic buying or just running into shops. And I thought, God, this is a nightmare. Did we not learn from the first lockdown that we don't need to do this? Because again, in my head, I was just thinking, it's only going to be a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, 
uh, it, we're now a year, over a year, we've had these rolling lockdowns and various problems. Um, it was a strange, I was never really scared, but the truth of the situation is I came into contact with more people mm. coming home that night than I would have if I'd just been allowed to stay in my house. Uh, and that's what annoys me a little bit. You know, I could, I would now be somewhere in Scotland, most likely, and I'd have been on track to finish in a year. I now have a decision to make about whether I discount this period of lockdown from the total running days around the country, which I'm in my head I'd like to because it will still give me a potential opportunity to get around in a year. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it has affected my life further down the line because it means I will finish later than I'd intended. Yeah. 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 Good. So how can people support you, Chris? And how can people find out more about uh, where, what you're up to? So it's like really social media and um, just giving page and this kind of thing. Yeah. Get straight to my website, thecoastwalker.com. There's a buy me a coffee link. There's all my social media links on there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, I write a blog on there weekly as well at the moment. Um, you can contact me via email through there as well. And the other thing you could do is follow Children in Need in some way because I'm on their pages fairly regularly at the moment, which is cool. Uh, I'm also giving a talk. Um, I don't know if you want, I completely forgot about this. I should have told you, but um, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's on the 29th of March and it's via a Facebook group page. There's quite a, pe quite a few people that have attend uh, clicked that, that they're attending can't remember the name of the page i think it's distance hiking uk okay right tell you what if you send me that link afterwards i will put it in the show notes yeah. um and it is going to be this is actually going to go out um the middle of april so i'll also put it in the newsletter so so for like oh, in the cool. next week um uh, i'll be in next week's newsletter and then that will tie in with it because um, again Perfect. when when people are going to be listening to this you're actually just going to be i mean maybe actually put it on the 12th of april maybe just starting your walk again because uh, it's going to be yeah. middle of april by when this gets uh launched so you'll be just about heading out at that point but i'll put i'll put something in the newsletter about the on the 29th of march and then people can listen to then so it gives you a bit of a gets them a bit of a warm-up anything else you want to add before we finish chris anything you want any other pearls of wisdom or anything you would like to uh, share with our listeners on the gps training podcast no well not really i mean i'd like <laughs> i'm not a font of all knowledge or uh, anything but i uh, to be honest i'm looking forward to just getting up in your way and uh meeting you up meeting up with you for a walk and a beer and um, i think that was promised last time so. <laughs> it certainly is i think we should i'm gonna come over to cumbria with you when you're in cumbria i'll come and walk a stretch of cumbria with you and then when you come in the uh the Northumberland, well, the Scottish borders, Northumberland coast. I'll maybe walk down the um, the north. Well, that's going to be my 125 mile walk. Is actually from uh, Newcastle upon Time up to top, well, into Scottish borders up the Northumberland coast. So, uh, that's going to that? that's going to be October. So that's my October walk. So I, I, I yeah. So I don't know. Um, I might be past there by then, but. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you I did a training walk. Yeah, training walk in May. I'm going to do 67 miles in 24 hours on St Cuthbert's Way in one go. I am in May. That's my plan there. So that's and are you what, are you um, camping or are you staying in places? Or? Uh, just just sleep. 
no, don't camp. Just all in one go. I'm not going to stop. I'm, I am going to stop. I'll just stop in. Uh, for 67 miles, I'm doing that totally unsupported, so I will just like lie down for an hour or two, which is what I did last time. Um, but when I do my 125 miles, I've got friends with a motorhome, which I'll sleep on the floor in the motorhome for two two hours maximum two hours each night i, I tend to sleep yeah yeah, yeah. that's my uh, that's my theory i know last time i did an hour sleep um which really wasn't enough and then i did an hour and a half on the floor of the motorhome later on and i had like what literally two and a half hours sleep first hour was pretty awful to be honest uh but say this time i'll have to it's two days i'm gonna hopefully have two um staggered i think two hours is about right yeah I I think too any longer than that would probably be too much. It is, and going back to your diet thing, I, I I learned as well to eat before you sleep. That was my biggest mistake. I I slept on an empty stomach, hungry in the early hours of the morning. Got up and tried to eat porridge, uh, which, yeah. and then went. I was out walking within eight minutes after eating my porridge. Where in hindsight, if I'd ate before I went to sleep, my body would have recovered with the food, going back to our earlier conversation, and I would have woken up. Because actually, after my first hour, I didn't. I actually felt worse than I did before I went to sleep. So in hindsight, yeah. I should have ate, slept, and carried on walking. Um, but we learn these things, don't we? So uh, Yeah, yeah, there stuff. you go. So thank you very much, Chris, for joining me on this month's GPS show. It's really good to catch up with you. Um, Again, if we do, well, we will walk together in the lake. So we might have to do a walk and talk actually as we're doing it. We'll, I'll bring my uh, microphone and we can walk and record lots and then edit it down into something that hopefully makes it a bit of sense because it can't be a bit of a, a walk and talk because we all open up a little bit more when we're walking, don't we? Yeah, that sounds great. We'll hope for a non-windy day then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a little muff thing on the top of my oh of my recorder so because uh, I've done quite a few in the past. So, yeah, fingers crossed we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get some there. So thank you very much for joining me on this month's gps training podcast cool thank you very much nice to see you john good cheers thank you thanks for listening to the gps training podcast the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor gps navigation